You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Thank you for listening. This is episode 50 of the Saturday edition of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. My name's Charlotte Greenway and it's Friday the 19th of August. We've got one more day to come from York's Evil Festival where we've seen some mightily impressive performances today from the likes of Quickthorn in the Lonsdale Cup and Highfield Princess in the Coolmore Nunthorpe Stakes providing Darley's Night of Thunder with a fourth top-level success as a stallion. Star of the show this week, though, as predicted, was the world's highest-rated racehorse, Baid. And we'll hear William Haggis's thoughts shortly on whether we may well get the chance to see him once more, twice more, or whether he could even be boarding a plane. But first, the shocking news that came out of America last night concerned a top US trainer, as Nick explained this morning. Last night, at British time, the entire world of horse racing was shaken by the vivid images of multi-Eclipse award-winning trainer Chad Brown, currently leading the table as ever at Saratoga in handcuffs in a Saratoga Springs courtroom. Uh, He had been uh, charged with criminal obstruction of breathing, a misdemeanor, and he spent the night in jail, entered a not guilty plea and was ordered to reappear in court and cash bail was posted at $2,500. According to a handwritten statement, says the Thoroughbred Daily News from the alleged victim, who was not named, an encounter with Brown had turned violent after she entered his house and found him in bed with another female. The statement reads, On the 17th of August at 11pm, I went to the house of Chad Brown, my on-again, off-again significant other. I have a key to the house, so I let myself in. I went to his room and saw another female in bed with him. I confronted him on that and he got up and pushed me down some stairs. I fought him down the hallway. He pinned me to the floor and started choking me. He applied pressure to my neck while it was against the floor. I was able to push him off me and get up. Uh, Chad then pushed me out the door and I left and came to the police station. And uh, Brown was then arrested. And his attorney, Joseph Gertzenzang, told the court that Brown was left with no option but to defend himself after the woman broke into his house. The judge, significantly, um, and this was reported... Uh, On Twitter by Sabrina Dami of WNYT Television, uh, the judge Francine Vero said this court is not in the business of accusing domestic violent victims. And Gersenstang has not been responding to subsequent requests for for information. The the case is ongoing. Um, Chad Brown, as I say, is on course to win the Saratoga trainer's title for the fifth time. He is the record holder. He is... Uh, local to Saratoga as well, by birth as well as uh, place of work. New York Racing Association said they are aware of the charges brought against trainer Chad Brown. We'll defer additional comment on this matter to the Saratoga Springs Police Department. And together with uh, our American colleagues, we will bring you up to speed on this uh, case at the beginning of next week. Now, I think it's fair to say that Baid has more than justified his place as the number one ranked horse in the world as he romped home in the Javont International at York on Wednesday. Jim Crowley was still taking a pull to furlongs out and when he said go, the response was instant from the son of See the Stars who finished six and a half lengths clear of Mishrif. 
And the way he hit the line, of course, prompted a flurry of questions to Connections post-race about the chance of us seeing him line up in the arc in October. To be honest, I think we're all just desperate to see him as many times as possible before he retires to stud. And having originally said it would be the Judmont and then the champion stakes before retiring, Nick caught up with William Haggis on Thursday morning and asked what the chances were of Connections deviating now from this plan. Ultimately, it's not my decision. Uh, the horse doesn't belong to me. The horse is trained by us. Uh, and it's Shaker Hiss's decision. And I'm sure we'll talk about it again because um, lots of people will be uh, trying to convince Angus and uh, Shaker Hisser that the arc is the right way forward. Um, but, you know, I'm open to suggestions. That's always been our plan to go to Ascot. But uh, plans can change, as you well know. And I'm not saying for a minute they're going to, but the only thing I will say is it's, it's nearly two months now to, to Champions Day, and that's quite a long time. Well, indeed it is. And I, my sort of feeling was no one's really talked about the race that would be an obvious race if there was another one slipped in, which is the, the Irish champion stakes at, at Leopardstown, particularly if the weather stayed nice. Uh, well, I think uh, uh, Joe Foley uh, is talking about it. He's texting me yesterday, uh, telling me not to forget him. Uh, he's involved on the committee at Leopardstown. Or Irish Champions Weekend, I think, more likely. Uh, that's the perfect fit if he was to have another race. Um, so, you know, uh, that's obviously open for discussion. He's in the race and, and we'll just see what happens. But... Um, he'd have to be in pretty rude health to be going to Ireland, so we shall see. Um, is he a horse, you think? Yeah, I know he looks dead straightforward and he's got a great temperament. Is there anything about him that requires time between races particularly, or not really? Not really. He had a, 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 a quite a gap between um, Goodwood and the Moulin last year. Um, sort of five weeks and I, he, he had a little issue after Goodwood and I had him too fresh in the Moulin and uh, I, I don't think he needs there was a three week gap between the Sussex and yesterday so I don't think he needs particularly a lot of time it's just as long as everyone here is happy with him he's eating and he's training fine and Ricky's happy with him then, then that's all that matters when we spoke at the very beginning of the year, you said, I think I'll try the Frankel route of the three group ones over a mile and then the two group ones over a, a mile and a quarter. So all planned going extremely well so far. Um, are, you, are you informed by what horses have done in the past or do you just play your own game? I'm thinking, you mentioned the Frankel route, I'm thinking, of course, of his own sire, see the stars, who went from this race to the Irish champion and, and then to the arc. Yeah, well... I mean, See the Stars was a phenomenal horse and I think if he'd stayed in training by the three-year-old only races, he'd have won them all again and then you'd be saluting a proper champion. He just wasn't, he was He was not like um, uh, Frankel in the way he raced and, you know, it was similar in Australia that the Black Caviar didn't get the credit she deserved for what she achieved because Winks came along quite quickly after and Frankel eclipsed uh, See the Stars. But if Frankel had never appeared, we'd be hailing See the Stars as an absolute champion. He was, for me, the ultimate racehorse. He won all the races that I would like to win in my career, and he won them all in one season. So, um, you know, I, I, 
whatever see the stars in he was beautifully trained he was a beautiful horse brilliantly ridden just just a great horse and a great sire but I don't uh, hold anything about you know what he did what route he went um, or Frankel it's it's a pretty obvious one for a horse like Baid he's won two group ones as a three year old over a mile <clears throat> the, the program sorts itself out pretty easily and then you get to the Sussex and then you have that decision of do you step up in trip or do you go for the Jacques Lamar or the Moulin or both and the QE2 so that's what he'd have done if he'd stayed at a mile and we upped him to a mile and a quarter and I, I think I said a, a, a couple of times you know there is a chance he could be better at a mile and a quarter Oh no, you you you're, you're you're underplaying that. You you were quite confident that he that he'd be better over a mile and a quarter. Yeah, and I think he proved that. Um, and as, as Angus Gold walked out and said to me yesterday, I've been telling Haggis he's been running him over the wrong trip for a year and a half. <laughs> there you go. Paddy Toomey's Lapperty Coco probably ran a personal best in defeat in Thursday's Yorkshire Oaks, and he's still got two more serious chances of finding a winner at the Ebor meeting to come including the favourite for the Skybet Ebor, Earl of Tyrone, who's won three of his four starts since joining Toomey's Yard and beat Raise You in a listed race on his last start, who's franked the form by winning a Group 3 since. Having not been seen since June, he looks like he's been laid out for this race, and Nick asked Paddy whether he believes he's well handicapped off a mark of 105. Yeah, he's a fine horse. Again, he progressed well all year. He's... Uh... He's physically big, strong, fine horse, and probably took him all his life, you know, his lifetime to, you know, he's only reaching his prime now, I would imagine. Um, and, uh, you know, he's a horse that I think can mix it at, at stakes level in the future. He's obviously won a list of the race, the horse he beat, has come out and won the Irish St. Ledger trial there last Saturday, raised you pretty comprehensively, beating a, a previous Irish St. Ledger winner, in, Ledger winner in search for a song. So it would indicate that his farm is strong. Have you got something exciting in mind for him beyond this? Is there? Could he go abroad later in the year? Uh, I didn't put him in the Australian races as I was going to keep him closer to home. He has he has entries in the Philly, the um, champion staying race in Ascot, the Cadran, uh, the Irish Cesaro, which is a race that has is has become very attractive in this year with a purse of six hundred thousand euros, and he's entered in that. Um, I, this might be sacrilege. Ever think of giving him a spin over hurdles? <laughs> yeah, no, I'd imagine he, he'd be ideal for that job too. Um, uh, I'd probably leave that to somebody else if he goes down that route. I mean, would it would that ever tempt you if you had one like this and somebody said, "Go on, train him up for a champion hurdle for me"? Would it? Would you do it? We have a couple of nice horses, uh, and I've run horses in pint to pints and bumpers before. So uh, we have Beamish and him, who are both staying stakes level, staying horses that get two miles, and uh, both are four year olds with you know relatively unex- you know lightly raced for their age, and both could uh, feasibly go that route. You know, we have some three year olds as well, like. You know, Spasiba again would look that type of horse, but you know, for the moment, I'm a flat trainer. Yeah, quite right, and a big Group One week as well. Sorry to to divert from uh, from some very important missions. More immediately, Treasure Trove in the Roses Stakes as well at York. She's a, a filly by Sayuni with some with some lovely form. She she looks to have been found at the right spot. Are you are you quite hopeful? Yeah, um, she's she's a nice filly. She's progressed well all year. Um, she's ran against some very good horses, you know, horses that have won at stakes level, won at Royal Ascot. Um, 
and uh, she 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 likes a, a sort of a level track with no undulations. Uh, you know, her better runs are at Tipperary and Cork, are not Tipperary and the Curra, um, where you know which are similar to York and that they're lovely flat like carpets and uh, her run last week in the listed race at the Curra where she was just chinned um, I think puts her in the mix in that race she's now rated 100 and she's in great form It's not just about York though for Paddy Toomey this weekend as he sends Ross Carberry to Deauville on Sunday for the Group 1 Prix Jean Romanet to take on Elsie Supermare very elegant and having won over distances this year of a mile to a mile and six Nick asked Paddy what he saw as her optimum trip, with Sunday being over a mile and a quarter. She's she's versatile trip wise. I mean, she's 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 ran alike at a mile, a mile and a quarter, a mile and a half, a mile and six. So she's she's a she's a strong traveller who who likes to get on with things and and sees her races out well. So I think mile and a quarter, mile and a half, sort of, uh, is probably her optimum. Mile and six just look to stretch her a little bit, maybe the last day. When you got her, you know, she wasn't highly rated. She's got a nice pedigree, but she hadn't done much to suggest she was anything particularly special. Did you think, oh, I've got quite a bit to, to work on here? Did you think she was good as soon as you started working her? Uh, no, she came there last year and she just slotted into her routine lovely and I didn't really ask her any question for the first six months. And just through this spring, we kind of got her ready to run her maiden and, uh, you know, hoped that she'd win that when she went for her maiden and then went for her handicap and hoped she'd win that. And she won that and decided to try another handicap. And she just progressed herself all the way through and kept every time we asked her a question, she answered it, you know. Richard Brown of Blanford Bloodstock has had a great week up at York, having bought Lau the winner swing along, who now looks set for the Group 1 Cheveley Park Stakes at Newmarket. And he saw Golden Horn Philly Haskoy go on to listed success, having bought Golden Horn for Jane McGiven just last month. And success might not be over, as Mighty Ulysses, who Richard purchased as a yearling from Tassels but won for 170,000 guineas, is a short price favourite to land the Group 3 Strenzel stakes for John Gosden, Frankie de Tory and Side Sir Hale. And Richard discussed how good he thinks this horse could be. Yeah, look, um, being by Ulysses, you sort of, over the winter, we were sort of thinking... Um, you know, mile and a half route. Um, started him off at Epsom over a mile and a quarter in that uh, in the Derby trial, and he didn't um, he didn't get home. You know, furlong out, travelling very strongly, and just didn't quite get home. Um, he won the St Henry Cecil at the um, at the July meeting very impressively with no pace. Um, it was far from ideal for him uh, so I think nine furlongs will be a, a perfect stepping stone and hopefully next year he will get a mile and a quarter again he's still slightly unfurnished I think next year will be his year John's always rated him very highly and um, hopefully this is a stepping stone onto bigger and better things this meeting hasn't been one that John Gosden or Frankie de Tory have targeted and following Stradivarius's withdrawal this morning from the Lonsdale Cup because of a bruised foot they still haven't been able to get on the scoreboard, but maybe Mighty Ulysses can change that. Well, Charlotte, even though it's the fourth and final day of York's Sky Bear Evil Festival, there is a very significant race at Sandown Park. All the more so because year in, year out, it seems to throw up a really smart prospect for the future. It is the Solario Stakes for, for two-year-olds. It's a group three over seven furlongs. And this year, for the first time, it is sponsored by the North American-based sales house, 
facing Tipton, renowned for the sale they've just had in Saratoga, the sales they've just had in Saratoga, and of course, what happens in Kentucky, particularly in the autumn. Their European representative is a friend of the show. He's also uh, the director of Blandford Bloodstock, Tom Goff, uh, the man who bought, amongst other horses, Emily Upjohn. We heard from his uh, business partner, Richard Brown, on yesterday's podcast. Tom, tell me a little bit about Facing Tipton's sponsorship of the Solario Stakes and uh, why you've decided to enter into this joint venture with the Jockey Club. Well, hi, Nick, and hello, everybody. Um, obviously, this, the November sale is an incredible platform uh, for people to sell horses. Um, and, you know, Facing Tipton... Absolutely delighted to form a partnership with Sandown and to sponsor the Solerio, uh, obviously to promote their Night of the Stars November sale um, and to get into a joint venture with Sandown. Uh, the sale has a tremendous track record for selling top quality fillies and mares with elite form in Europe and in America. And sponsoring the race provides Phasing Tipton with an exciting vehicle to market um, their sale to European owners and consigners that may wish to offer stock at their auction, but also to people who would like to uh, come and attend the sale, which I think is an important uh, point in the post-COVID era, you know? Absolutely. And this is a race which I said has has thrown up any number of, of important winners, particularly in the last decade and a half, where it seems to have gathered great traction, seems to have become a, a favoured option for many of, of new markets leading trainers, for sure. Very much so. Look, in the last few years, you've had Tudan Hot, um, who obviously was a top two-year-old and then on, went on and won the Sussex at three. Uh, Massar, who was a top two-year-old and then won the Derby. Kingman, um, who speaks for himself and had a, you know become a great stallion as well and um, had Noble Style winner of the Jim Crack today. And Ravens Pass is probably the uh, the most least most recent, but still went on to win the Breeders' Cup Classic. You know. Uh, and today, you know, today's race is a small select group of horses. Um, you've got the Queen represented by Desert Hero, who won up at Haydock. Um, you've got Dead Defensive Fort for Peter Chapel Hyam, uh, Silver Knot of Godolphins, and the Foxes of um, King Power and Andrew Balding, who won at Goodwood. So it's a really exciting race. And as for uh, the Night of the Stars itself, the basic tip to Night of the Stars, this is where some of the, the very best broodmares and potential broodmares are sold. Horses that have maybe come right out of Breeders' Cup victories to begin their new careers for different connections. And it's where we see the dollar flying around like nowhere else, really. Well, it is an extraordinary event. Um, uh, I think it goes without saying. It's on the 6th of November this year, so it's the day after the Breeders' Cup at Keeneland. Uh, last year... 26 fillies or mares made a million dollars or more, uh, and they were topped off by a mare called Magical World, uh, who made $5.2 million, uh, which was the highest price thoroughbred sold anywhere on planet Earth um, in 2021, which is pretty remarkable considering uh, we were all coming out of COVID. Uh, and I know, Nick, you're, you're well-travelled in the United States, obviously, uh, and you're in Saratoga recently. Uh, but the, the sale has an extraordinary international um, pull, um, most recently for your listeners uh, in the UK, uh, Lady Aurelia, who obviously won the Queen Mare and the King's Stand, uh, made £7.5 as a broodmare prospect in 2018. Uh, and it is an extraordinary international event. I think... There was one uh, filly particularly last year that summed up the international nature, not just of the sale, but of the 
uh, of the thoroughbred business today, which was a, a filly called Queen Supreme, who was bred in Ireland, raced in South Africa, won the paddock stakes um, in Cape Town, then came back to England to be trained by Andrew Balding, went over and ran in the Breeders' Cup, went to Faisy Tipton, made $900,000, which is an incredible price for a South African Group 1 winner, and was bought by some Australians and is now at Kia Aura Stud down in Australia. So it is remarkable. Tom, your other hat is as the director of, of Blandford Bloodstock. You've had a, a wonderful season. Your, your partner, Richard Brown, purchased the, the Derby winner and you're responsible for, for Emily Upjohn, who's one of the great bargains. Uh, she didn't run well, however, in the in the King George. Uh, what's the plan with her now? Well, she's just been freshened up. You're quite right, Nick. She, she didn't run well. She just ran with the choke out a bit off a very freakish fast pace, I think it's fair to say. Um, look, she's got lots of options in the autumn coming up. She's in the arc. Uh, she's also in the British uh, champions, Phillies and Mares, over a mile and a half. And she's also in the champion stakes itself, over a mile and a quarter. So I think she's just being freshened up for that. Um, but with a mare like that, you know, a filly like that, she's also got, she's got the whole of next year ahead of her. Um, so whatever she can achieve in the autumn, um, I'm sure she's going to be a far better filly next year. So it's it's fairly clear to all of you that she will stay in training as a four-year-old? Very much so. As far as I'm aware, that's definitely the plan. And um, John's also got free wind um, that we bought for Mr. Strawbridge, who won the Lancashire Oaks. And she's also got some autumn entries, including that champion, Phillies and Mares. Looking forward to seeing her. Um, and uh, once again, Tom, great news that facing Tipton's Night of Stars is is sponsoring the Solario Stakes at Sandown on Saturday afternoon. Thanks so much for talking to me. All the best, Nick. Take care. All right, that was Tom Goff. Uh, back to you, Charlotte. Enjoy the weekend. Thank you, Nick, for that. And thank you for listening. Nick will be back with you as usual on Monday morning to bring you the latest news and insight from around the world of horse racing. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.